Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we'd like to uh, give you a warm welcome. Uh, the scripture uh, before Steve's lesson will be found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 30 through 32. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. Before I read this scripture, I'd like to go to God in a word of prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before you, your throne this morning, Father. Being uh, your creation, uh, Father, we are grateful for life that you have given us on this earth. And pray, Father, that our life wasn't in vain, but that we are about your business while we're here this short time. Father, we uh, thank you for the many beauties of nature, which prove that you are a God of, of many wonders and works. Dear Father, we, as a congregation here in LaGrange, Indiana, we ask, Father, that you would continue being with our congregation, help us to uh, be a workmanship that uh, needeth not to be ashamed, but readily dividing your word of truth. And Father, help us to... Uh, uh, live our life that you put us here for, for a purpose, and help us to uh, serve other people. It's not about ourselves, but it's about what can I do for you. Father, we ask that you'd continue being with us as we, uh, as we work in LaGrange and, and help us to let our light shine. Help us to have unity uh, amongst our body uh, and uh, help us to be uh, loving to each other and kind, and, and most of all, Father, to... Uh, uh, be encouragement to each other. Forgive us of our sins, Father, if we have committed any uh, anything wrong against you this day or in this past week. Pray for our country. Pray that you'd be with the leadership. Pray that you would guide and direct those that are in charge of our country, uh, our government, and uh, pray that you would continue being with our military, and pray that you would uh, continue being with the missionaries and uh, all those people, Father, that uh, are away from their families, uh, trying to do the best they can for other people. Dear God, uh, uh, we ask again that you'd be with those people that were mentioned this morning, that you would uh, comfort them during the loss of their families, during uh, medical problems, that you would be with them and help them be healed. Father, again, we are thankful for the Lord's Supper, in remembrance of your son Jesus and all that he has done for us, and Father, help us to be your servants. Help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Pray that you be with Steve uh, this morning as he brings the word to us. Be with your messenger and uh, help him, Father, to remember all that he has uh, to be said to our hearts. And Father, help us to leave this place better people than when we came. And help us to leave with a serving attitude. In Christ's holy name we humbly pray. Amen. We'll be reading, be reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you.
Good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Look at all the people. Let's all do that. Church, Steve. No, you guys never did that as kids? Okay, thank you. Thank you for pretending you know what I'm talking about. That's what you guys do every week, and I appreciate that. Uh, we had a good showing at the uh, Camp Indigan auction last night. There was a strong showing from the LaGrange Church. So thank you, everybody who came out and everybody who uh, put time into preparing the food and everything else and helped out uh, with serving. And as I understand from Dennis this morning that we had, it was a lot uh, bigger return than we were expecting. Is that correct, Dennis? So praise God and uh, thank all of you who uh, bid on things. So um, I am uh, wasn't here last week. And again, I, I hate thinking Dennis once in a month, but I'm going to have to thank him twice uh, for uh, being here last week. Um, I am going to, uh, this is the lesson that I wanted to give last week before I got visited by the sinus fairy who uh, put me down hard. And I I do want to thank Greg for changing his mowing schedule around my nose. So we mow on Wednesdays now. He doesn't mow around my nose. Was I clear about that? Okay, it doesn't matter. Let's get into... Um, what's going on. You know, in, in this congregation and, and everywhere I've been, there have been really good people of God that I've had the pleasure of knowing. And that's certainly true here. People who um, have taught me things about who Christ was and there are people in this church who, even today and a lot of days, teach me things about how God wants me to act that aren't extremely obvious on the surface. So I would like to share a few of those things, but it all ties in from a place. We're going to be looking at some scriptures, but then we're going to be reflecting back on, again, how the Bible always paints a clear picture of what's going on. Everything ties together and is consistent. We'll start with what Fred read. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'd like to look at some of these this morning and then just try to drill down a little bit. I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. He read this already, but we'll read it again. Uh, Okay. Starting in verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's go to our next one. 1 Peter chapter 4. I actually turn here for two reasons. One, that allows me to know how long it takes you guys to turn there. And secondly, make sure my slide is actually what it says it is. All right. The end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. It's interesting in all these things that we're going to be reading this morning, there's this underlying apocalyptic thread that an apocalypse is coming, that the end of all things is at hand. That has always been the language of Jesus and the language of the apostles. The end is near. You know, the the crazy guy who has like a big beard and hair coming out and he's carrying, it's in a lot of movies, he carries the sign, the end is near. That's actually an extremely biblical worldview. And the truth of it is, the end was near when this was when Peter wrote this, but God wants that any can be saved that would be saved. God has kept his hand back. But the end is near. I'm getting to that age now where I have enough friends who aren't with us anymore that I see that. And we've had some strong reminders this week that one day you could just lose your children and your spouse. Because the truth is, the end is near. We can't just live our lives as though, you know, there's always another day. I'll take care of it later. There isn't another day. You can't take care of it later. And because of that, we need to be in control of ourselves and be sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. If we aren't self-controlled and sober-minded, that's going to affect our prayers. I think that's big. I don't think that's a, oh, that's a cute little saying in the Bible. I think we really need to look at that. Above all, above all, if you're going to do one thing, that's how I read that. Above all, number one thing, at least in this context of how we go about our lives, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. Is it God's love that covers our sins? Yes. But it's also our when we are loving, our God sees us and says, you know what, I just love you, kid. You're a good kid. And honestly, I say that to my kids. I think it was a day before I threatened to choke Jesse out. It was a comedy. It's part of my comedy parenting. And I said, you know, that's the, and we were talking about that in class this morning, that's, that's the dynamic between father and son, right? My dad was, you read Calvin and Hobbes, he's always like, Calvin! And, you know, on cartoons, the father's always there. At, but, you know, at the end of the day, I can't help but love those two knuckleheads because they are good kids, and they, they do have a lot of love in them. And love covers a multitude of sins in my children. I have to think that that's extremely more true for God. And Peter says, yes, that's exactly True. Let's move on to our next verse. Colossians chapter 3. Am I allowed to make noises while I turn pages? Forgive me. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3. 
starting in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, again, above all these, this is Paul now, instead of Peter, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. We're God's chosen ones. We're special. We don't think we're better than other people. We think Christ is king of the universe, and for some reason he has chosen us for no other reason than that we've agreed to be chosen. That's a pretty low bar. That's a bar so low even I can get over it. That's why we're taking the Lord's Supper this morning, and that's the, the beauty of God's love for us. I don't jump over a lot of bars in real life, um, but if this were a real bar, yeah, I'd have a pretty easy time getting over it because God's into the bargain. He doesn't ask very much out of us. He just wants to love us. I don't know why. Because he, God is love. He expects very little in return, but He does expect us to be like Him. Same thing with my kids. You don't act that way, not just because it's wrong, not just because you'll get in trouble, but because your last name is Gibson, and that's not how we act. I expect you to act differently. Same thing with our God. So above all, no matter what happens, we have to love each other. Our next one is 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7. Paul is talking about being found faithful when Christ returns. And um, not to pronounce judgment ahead of time. And in verse 6 he says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go uh, beyond what is written so that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What did you have that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Think about that for a second. If you actually think that you're better than someone else, if you actually think, you know what, I wonder why that guy just can't pull it together or why that gal doesn't just pull it together. Or if you're married. I know when we were newly married, it was kind of like, 
does she not see how obvious that is? That you have to, you, you can't do that with the car? Come on. And meanwhile, she's thinking, who did his mama raise? Did you, do you not know that you cannot put underwear on carpet? It goes in a basket. What is wrong with this man? I've also found, though, that it's hard to empathize with other people's sins. And this is what we've been talking about on Wednesday night quite a bit. It's some things are easy for me. It's easy for me uh, not to steal. That doesn't mean it's not easy for someone else. Some things are easy for me. Some things are hard for me. And we have to be realistic about those things. And if you think about it, what Paul's saying here is, what's so great about you that makes you think you're better than someone else? Stop saying that guy needs to do differently and have grace because everything that's good about you has come from God. And the more you live in the Spirit of God, the more of the good parts that are in you are just parts that God has chosen to give you. And as I go farther along in my walk with God, if you had known me 15 years ago, 25 years ago, there's a lot of things that are true about me now that I love and my wife says she loves that weren't true about me back then. That's not because... I'm a genius, and because I read all the right books, and because I was just really buried in God's Scripture, and because I tried to do those things, the truth of it is, God put those things in me. Anything that's good about me is from God. Anything that's good about you is from God. You've been gifted with some things. You've not been gifted with other things. And what we tend to do is say, that's easy, why can't you do that? Get good. You know, like people who are good at math go, this is so easy. And then people who are good at writing go, can't you put a sentence together? I mean, this happens in schools. Kids can recognize this, right? You think, well, I'm dumb because I can't do math. But then you look at the other person, you're like, he's just dumb. He can't write a sentence. Look at his handwriting. He can't. We all have different gifts. All those good things come from God. So what exactly are you bragging about? Your talents come from God. Your good behavior is things that God has put in you. So what exactly are you bragging about? So getting back to it, why would you judge someone else and say they're not as good as you when the good in you doesn't come from you? Yeah? All right. Moving on. I'm going to go to chapter 10. Short one. This is, we're going to talk about this some more here in a second, so I'm just going to read it. He talks about this in context of, well, some people say, well, you know what, we should be able to do that. And other people say, well, no, you can't do that. And other people say, well, we should. We're free in God. And the other people say, well, you're not free in God. because Okay. Paul's going, look, verse 22, if you have your Bible open, or verse 23, if you have your Bible open, you get a bonus verse. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And then verse 24, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I'll sum this up in what somebody taught me. 
you got nothing coming to you. No one owes you anything. If you think someone owes you anything, you're wrong. The world doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. No one owes you anything. If you're a Christian, no one owes you anything. God, you owe everything to God. So, moving on to the next one. Going to chapter 13 now. Why are we going to chapter 13? Well, all those verses we, we just read are spoken of very briefly in these two verses. Again, I talk about this. 1 Corinthians 13 is something that preachers like to read at weddings. And it's great because it has a description of love. Not romantic love, which that's really partially biochemical. <laughs> love is a choice that you make to dedicate your life to someone else. This is real love. This is agape love that Paul's talking about. And at the end of it, he, he speaks apocalyptically um, he says uh, in verses 8 through 12, you know, all these things that we see going, all of God's glory happening now, that's all great, but the end is near. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I hear preachers read it during a wedding. I'm like, well, that's an apocalyptic. You're getting apocalyptic during the wedding, all right. Getting a little crazy, stirring it up. But that's what they read. The end is near. And at the end, there won't be anything left. There'll be three things left. Faith, hope, and love. In verse 13. I don't have that on the screen. But hopefully you have your Bible. Faith, hope, and love will still be here. After the end of all things. And the greatest of those three is love. So, before that though, Paul gives a very succinct description of what love is. And if you look back at the verses we've already gone through today, you'll see him making those same points in those verses. And you'll see those things throughout the Bible. And I just want to... We, we read this over and over again, but how much do we actually think about the words we're reading? How much time... There's so much that we need to understand in just these two verses that to read them and then go sit down just really doesn't get the job done. It really doesn't. So what I'd like to do this morning to wrap things up is I would just like to stop and think about these a little bit. Let's read it together first. Love is patient and kind. Again, this is not love like, I love you, man. I love you, you're cute. No, this is the kind of God, love God has for us where I, I decide to love you. I am going to love you. The way I decide to love my children, the way I decide to love my wife, the way that God has commanded me to love you. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. There's a lot there. Let's look at those things. Patience. We talked about this already a little bit. Patience is understanding that each one of us 
has unique gifts and unique challenges. When we get, I find, when we get impatient with other people, it's because we think that's easy. Why aren't you just doing it? Right? Think about that. When we get impatient with other people, it's because we think, because you're not doing this, you must be doing it because you want to make me mad. Or because you're just not good enough? Or who knows what we think, but lack of patience is a lack of understanding that some things are easy for you and not easy for other people. And vice versa. So patience is recognizing we're not all the same. This is, at the end, patience means having sympathy for someone else's plight and taking the time and cooling your head. And even though they don't deserve it in your mind, spending the extra time and effort to get them to where you're trying to help them go. Kindness. Well, I've needed this explained to me because we all think we know what kindness is, but let's think about this for a minute. It means being friendly, generous, and considerate. You think, well, I'm a kind person. Okay, you can think that, but can you prove that you're a kind person? At least prove it to yourself. To prove it to yourself, you've got to have some kind of criteria. And after a lot of reading and thinking and praying, these, are the, these seem like pretty good criteria to me. You may have different criteria. I'm asking that you have patience with me because obviously you're better at coming up with criteria than I am. Thank you for the courtesy laugh, honey. Love you so much. Kindness means being friendly. So if you think you're a kind person and you walk around like this. Yeah, hi. That's not kind. Do you, I don't think anybody enjoys being greeted like that. I don't. I don't think anyone enjoys being greeted like that. If you're kind, even if you feel in a not great mood, you will kindly try to make the other person feel like they're not a disease that has invaded your perfect world. And you can do that with just a little muscle contraction here and here. Right? That's kindness. Generosity. Like, oh, uh, okay, I guess. Somebody asks you for something, and somebody says, hey, can I talk? Oh. Okay, that's not kindness, or that's not uh, generosity. And consideration, meaning I'm not just thinking about how bad my day is. That means I'm also thinking about how bad your day might be, and also how good you made my day, and how maybe God has made my day good, and maybe I could pay that forward, Right? We can talk about each one of these is easily at least one sermon, if not a series of sermons. But let's continue on. Not boastful. This one's easy. Not boastful means telling other people what is great about them, not telling other people what is great about you. Think about in your life, 
How many times you have told people, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I, you know, yeah, I was uh, the top. Uh, I got top zero one percent of uh, head size in the United States. That may be true, by the way. I can't prove it. I haven't had Guinness Book come out to my house. But we really, isn't it a great feeling when someone just sees something good about you and says, you know what, I love what you did. Or I'm impressed that you can do this. Doesn't that just make your week? I commented on a YouTube video this week and the guy like wrote back, like, no one ever says anything good. Thank you so much. I'm just like, man, that was just like click, click, click on, on my tablet. But, you know, after making people, after seeing all these videos of his, no one ever thought to say, wow, I really like, and I gave him specific points of what I liked what he did. We can do that with everyone around us, can't we? All right. Next one. Not rude. <laughs> rude. Not rude means speaking and acting in a way that lets people know you're on their side. We've been talking about this. It's getting rude out there, people. I, I, my, seriously, my prayers and Linda's prayers have been since March of last year with everyone who has to work in a public-facing job. We have been praying for you because people are getting rude, aren't they? People come in and they don't say, hey, could you help me? Thank you so much. Oh, I have been waiting for three minutes. You know, like you don't get the food you want and drive back around and screech. You gave me two cheeseburgers out of three. It seems to be the way everyone's acting out there. I'm seeing it. I've been blown away by some of the behavior I've seen out there. People are rude, even more low-grade than that. People are just not being cool to each other. And we're all under stress. And you know what? People, When people get under stress, they start acting poorly. It happens to little kids. It happens to grown-ups. When you get under stress, you start acting like a jerk. You don't change in that regard as you grow up. Hopefully, you get better about it. But being not rude means speaking to people in a way that lets them know, hey, I'm on your side. I'm not your enemy, I'm your ally. So if you're just ordering from McDonald's, or you're at Walmart, or wherever you go, hopefully when you interact with other people, you can let them know, I'm here to help you, I'm not here to give you a hard time. We talked about the Build-A-Bear thing and how, you know, just that, that woman almost like, you know, wanted to follow us home. She was so thankful that we, we were just trying to be on her side. We saw the big line of crazy people because they had buy a bear, get a bear weekend. And, you know, that person was like, oh, Lord, please help me during this time. Because they were just getting onrushed by shoppers. And so it just, we're just here on your side. No one's doing that. I mean, what, what a great way to do ministry to the world around you is just being not rude. What a great ministry that would be. All right, I didn't have a cute picture for this. So, not demanding your own way. If you're angry that I didn't put a picture up there, do not demand your own way. Not every slide gets a picture. Okay? Okay? Good. That's my condescending voice, in case you're wondering if you hadn't heard it before. 
You probably have. Okay, I'm sorry. I repent. All right, next one. Not irritable. Do not attack anyone with a fish. A frozen fish. Fish are food, not weapons. That's from Grumpy Old Men, which is a funny movie. But they were irritable all the time. Not irritable is, again, another command from God. Not being irritable, the best definition I was really able to come up with, is not letting your physical or mental state determine your behavior. Right? If the sinus fairy drops a bomb on you, you don't go, Kids, be quiet! You go, Kids, you're making a lot of noise. Can you cool it? Thank you. Then you go back to your room. Right? Simple choice. In your anger, do not sin. In your sinus pain, in your whatever, in your hernia. Still thinking about you, James. In your hernia, do not sin. Don't let your physical or mental state determine. That's not in the Bible. The Bible does not say, in your hernia, do not sin. Just being clear about that, because my wife's still giggling. She's probably going to go, do you know what you said today? That's not how she talks. Sorry. That was rude. I'm going to be not rude. I'm on your side. All right, last one. Not resentful. Best definition I could come up with this one is keeps away from passive aggression. Well, that sounds very counselory of you, Steve. Well, I thought about this a lot, and I prayed about it a lot. And here's one of those things. You can either say, look, I don't like what you did, or you can get over it and realize that no one's perfect, or if you can't get over it, what I have done a lot in my life and God is teaching me better to do about is to just be angry and go home. That is not godly. I'm not saying you need to jump in everybody's face all the time, and I, I am a little like, let's, let's, let's get this fixed. It can't happen all the time. Um, but if we can't give it to God and we're hurt or angry, and by the way, most of the time we are hurt. It's just, as men, we don't like to say I'm hurt. <laughs> so even just saying it right now hurts. Hurts my brain. Men don't say, you know what, I'm hurt. Everyone's like, man, you're so counselory that you say that. No, I don't say that because I'm counselory, if that's a word. Counselory is not an adjective, but it is now. Not counselory, it's just that I know as a man, I don't like to say to my wife, you hurt me. I say, you need to quit being this or that, right? Or you just start yelling. You guys can relate to this. You guys can relate to this. The only kind alternative I've had is to be able to say the truth, which makes me vulnerable. It makes me vulnerable to say, you know what? That hurt me because I really like you and I love you. And when you did that, that made me feel like I was a fool. You don't say that as a man. Men don't talk like that. We say, hey, stop being a jerk. I'm getting mad, see? But I think if we're going to be Christians, we need to find a way to speak the truth in love rather than just going home and being resentful. That's a command from God. Not resentful. You can disagree with my definition. You can disagree with everything else I said. If you have a better way of not being resentful than what I have been able to come up with, please tell me. Please tell me. I'd like to be able to do that without saying things that sound that are hard for me to say like that. 
So please tell me if you have a better way. But right now, the best way I can come up with is to tell people the truth in a way that makes me look foolish. And I'm willing to look foolish if it lets me do what God's commanding me to do. Not resentful is the last one. Again, we could speak a week on these. Um, each one of them. God's love is perfect. And our love should be perfect. And if it's not perfect, God forgives us, but we don't just leave it at that. As the, Hopefully we pray to God on each one of these things that we can be like that. And I'll tell you why. Because the end is near. Jesus is coming back. And some of us will be taken away before He comes back. But the end is near. All these verses, read them again. If you don't have love, then you're not ready to face your Lord. That sounds harsh, but it's true. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Because God is patient with us. Thank you God for being patient with us. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a duty to learn how to be more loving by letting the Holy Spirit teach us, by reading these words again and again, by being in prayer about these things. Because the end is near. But luckily, God's love for us is perfect. He just wants to be our Father and our King. And just in the asking and in the baptism into His Son, that's it. If we're willing to be the subjects of His kingdom, he will, he will be glad to be our King and our Father that we can say, Dad, help me, and He will help. That's how close we are to God. If you're not that close to God this morning, if you need to be baptized, if you have prayers that you want the church to make for you, or if you have a praise that you want the church to know about, please come forward while we stand and while we sing this song.